Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, there is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him, and thrown that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hey, let's pray. Did you join me in prayer right now? Lord, thank you for today, uh, for bringing us all here together and just look forward to seeing what more you have for us. Lord, so many of us have already received from you. You've done, you're doing a great work in our hearts and our lives right now, uh, today already. But Lord, we just open our hearts more for you to speak. God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you want us to receive here today from you, from your word. Lord, I pray that you would ignite faith in us, that you would ignite and stir up those gifts within inside of every single one of us. Lord, you've blessed us all with tremendous gifts. Lord, would you, would you stir those up? Would you fan those into flame? Would you ignite faith for us to use those gifts, to walk in those gifts, and to live for you? I pray that you would do that by the power of your spirit who is alive and at work in us right now and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You may be seated. We're going to get to part two here of our two-part series. Stop going to church. So this is the end. Started last week. You made it to the end if you're here for both weeks for this entire series. Stop going to church, which the premise might be obvious to you. Like We, we don't want to just go to church. We want to be the church. We want to live this thing out. I don't think Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could attend church every Sunday morning. This is a part of it, but this is not the goal, right? The church is not a meeting. It is a movement. And we want to see a movement. We want to be a part of a movement. That is the goal. I believe that's why Jesus gave his life. He gave his life on the cross for you and I so that we could have life and so we could be his people gathered together on the move, changing the world with his message, with his gospel, and lives will be changed as we share and live out the gospel. So we want to see a movement. So we're not about, the meeting's important, but that's not the goal. The goal is a movement of God's people. I, think, I believe that's why Jesus gave his life. Now, when he died on the cross, the moment Jesus died, when his life expired, he breathed his last, the veil in the temple ripped from top to bottom. This veil was what enclosed the holy of holies, the inner part of this temple where the presence of God, God's spirit, literally was physically there in that temple. So Jesus died on the cross, it ripped. That was really signifying that the Holy Spirit was now being poured out on the, on the world. And everybody who was going to put their faith and trust in Jesus was now going to receive the Spirit of God in them. This is how God set it up. So he's saying, you don't have to go to the temple to experience my presence anymore. You are, you are the temple, and I'm coming to you. And I'm going to live in you. That's pretty cool. And, and so we, we want to be the, the empowered people uh, of God, empowered by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, and just allowing Him to use us with the gifts He's given us and be this movement of Jesus followers that make a difference in the world. So today is actually Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? It's Pentecost Sunday, which signifies the moment the, the Spirit of God baptized that 120 that were in the upper room. And so 50 days after Easter was the the, the Pentecost feast that they celebrated. On that day of Pentecost was, was when the Spirit was poured out. Now, Jesus met with his followers for about 40 days after he rose from the dead, had conversations with them, he ate food with them, and he had some his, his last words with them. In fact, let's look at a couple of those in Acts chapter 1. I love the book of Acts because it's really about the birth of the church and the story of the, just the early years of the church. And so this is the very, very beginning right here. Before Jesus is ascended, Jesus ascended at about on day 40 after his resurrection. Then he ascended up into heaven. And this is what he said, though, before he had ascended. He said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is verse 4, Acts 1, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Everybody say gift. Okay, so we're talking about gifts. So this is one of the gifts that Jesus believes is important for all of us right here. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus is saying this again. This isn't the first time he's talked about it. He's like, hey, we talked about this, boys. Okay, so I want you to go to Jerusalem. Wait for this gift. So uh, then it says, verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom 
to Israel. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So this is interesting. This is another conversation that had jumped into a little bit later on. And the disciples had been thinking about this. And they're like, okay, so is that when you're going to restore the kingdom and we're just going to rule and reign with you forever and we get to experience you as the king? Is that the time? And Jesus is like, don't worry about that yet. Don't worry about that. Here's what I want you to focus on. The power that you're going to receive from the gift that I've been talking about. The Holy Spirit's going to come down. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Focus on that. The end will come. Jesus will come back. Same, but he's calling you and I now as his followers to make sure we are people living life empowered by the Spirit to be his witnesses. So the disciples, they listened to him. And they went into Jerusalem and they didn't leave, just like Jesus had asked them. And they waited and they waited and they prayed. They had like this 10-day prayer meeting in the upper room. And they talked. They had a little, little short business session and they prayed some more. And then on the day of Pentecost, after 10 days, the Holy Spirit came down and baptized them. They're speaking out in tongues and other languages, and it causes an incredible uproar in the city of Jerusalem. Like all of Jerusalem knows what's going on in this upper room. Thousands of people gather around. They're looking at these guys like, you are nuts. You guys have all been drinking, haven't you? you look, you're, you're looking and acting drunk. And Peter stands up. He's like, nah, guys, come on. It's only nine in the morning. We're not drunk. But here's what's happening. Let me explain it to you. Now, everybody in Jerusalem would have been familiar with the teachings and the prophecies of Joel. And so he points back to Joel. Hey, hundreds of years ago, Joel said this would happen. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. This is it. In fact, Jesus told us it would happen too. He told us to come and wait for this, and it's happening right now, just like Jesus said it would. You remember Jesus, don't you? He's the one that you all crucified on the cross. He rose from the dead. We met with him several times he gave us some last words. He told us this would happen, and his spirit is being poured out right now. And so faith begins to ignite in thousands of people as they hear Peter talk. He's really delivering his first sermon ever. And so 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. And what they do is they say, hey, what must we do? How do we respond to this? What do we do to be saved? We want to be right with God. And so Peter says, uh, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so 3,000 people repent, ask for forgiveness. They receive the forgiveness of their sins. They turn from their, for living for themselves. They're living for Jesus now, and they get water baptized. 3,000 people. That would have been a really cool water baptism service to see. Like all over Jerusalem, people are getting baptized. Like this is quite the uproar that's taking place in the city of Jerusalem. And on that day, the day of Pentecost, the church begins. It's birthed. So this is the day of Pentecost, the day we remember not just the Spirit of God being poured out on that 120 in the upper room that turned into 3,000 by the end of the day. It's the birth of the church. And the church was meant to not just be a meeting, but a movement. That meeting turned into a movement in one day. And it's been moving all across the globe. Uh, that's the power of the gospel. The power of God's story continues to change lives today. And you and I are a part of it. So the goal, friends, is not this. This is good. This is the church gathered. We are gathered. We're not going to church today, right? Isn't that funny how we say that? Let's go to church. No, you're always at church. If you're a believer, you are the church. Let's, so if you say, let's go to church, oh, I'm already there. That's right. I forgot. But let's go gather with God's people and be the church on Sunday. That's good. We need this. But we're also called to be a movement because it's not about a meeting. It's a movement. And here's how a movement happens. A movement takes place when you and I live life empowered by the Spirit on mission with Jesus. 
And that's the goal. We're empowered by the Spirit on mission with Jesus. And I just pray that we would be a, a group of believers, that we would be a church that is the church that Jesus longs to see. And that's a movement of people seeing lives changed all around us and impacting a city. I believe it can happen by the power of God using us. Do you believe that can happen? I believe it can happen. And God wants to use you. He's gifted you. He has anointed you to do your part, to do your role. And that's part of what we're talking about in this whole series. Stop going to church because we want to be the church. Let's use the gifts that God has given us. And so we talked about that last week. We looked at the fivefold ministry, which is found in Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's foundational for us as a church. You have one of those gifts, I believe, found in Ephesians 4 there. So we want to make sure that those gifts are in operation so that we can be the church that Jesus wants us to be. And that's why we took time last week in the middle of my sermon. I stopped and gave you time to do a spiritual gifts test. And a bunch of you did it and you enjoyed it. And some of you complained that I didn't give you enough time to do it. So you had to finish it later. Uh, But a lot of you turned it into us, and that was awesome. Thank you for doing that. If you have not taken the spiritual gifts test or assessment, please do so. You can scan the QR code. It might be on the screen here, but it's on your Connect card. That QR code takes you to the digital program. At the top of the digital program is the spiritual gifts test. You can do it digitally, or if you want a paper version, maybe you want a paper version, raise your hand right now. We will deliver to you. Uh, a paper version. Pastor Matt has a bunch back there. So just raise your hand if you want a paper version of that. And that's just easier for you. And I'm going to invite our friend Brittany to come up. Brittany's going to share uh, a little bit about her story and God using her and her giftings. Anybody else, raise your hand if you want that paper and we'll get that delivered to you. So here's what we're asking. Whether you do it via paper or digitally, please email us your results. We want to hear from you. We want to know what your gifts are because it's kind of fun to see. But it helps us get you plugged in, too, to plugged in using your gifts. So email us, connect at riverschurch.co, not com, dot co, dot C-O. Because uh, we just want to help you get plugged in using your gifts. Right, Brittany? Does that sound good? Okay, this is Brittany right here. And Brittany, why don't you go ahead, say hi to everybody, and tell us just a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Brittany. Um, I'm Pastor Matt's daughter, if you yeah. didn't know. <laughs> Um, I've been coming to this church for, it'll be four years this summer. Um, I'm married. My husband's in the crowd. There he is right there. A good looking man right there. (laughs) My son's in the nursery. Okay. So. Wonderful. It's a little bit about you. Okay. So, uh, I look forward to hearing you share like you did in first service, uh, just about you when you first took that spiritual gifts test, what it was like and what you learned from it. So just go ahead and share real quick. Like you took it for the first time. Uh, what did it feel like taking that test? I was excited to take it, honestly. I knew I had some spiritual gifts already, but I was excited to see what else God had given me. So I was super excited, and we took it about three years ago. So I was excited to take it. Yeah, it was about three years ago, wasn't it? So she went to the Discover class that we have, and... And she went home and took the test, and then uh, you got the results. So what did you do? Once you saw the results, what, what did you do? I was shocked, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, there were some that I already knew, but there were some that I'm like, okay, God, like, why? Yeah. Okay. Like, really questioning, like, and praying on it. I'm like, okay, why did you give me these gifts? Are you sure? <laughs> like, it's not good to question God, but still, I, you do it. <laughs> but, like, I was... I was very, like, 
questionable on it because I, I, I yeah. didn't see it. <laughs> so, so then you, I think you eventually had a conversation with, with Pastor Amy about it, right? So explain that there. Yeah. Uh, so the following Sunday after taking the test, um, I was speaking to Pastor Amy after service and um, we got to talking about the test and I told her about my scores and my results and uh, previous our nursery director had left so that position was open I was already a volunteer in there and um, so I got to talk to Pastor Amy, and she's like, well, we have an opening because one of my spiritual gifts was pastor. That one, I was the one like, really? Me? Okay. Um, But after speaking to Pastor Amy, I really, it was like a whole other opening because I was praying about it the whole week, and then um, she kind of just reinsured me on it and I prayed about it more about taking the position and uh, the following month I believe I became the nursery director yeah that's great so you were already serving in the nursery and that there was a transition there and you stepped in to lead and oversee and kind of pastor uh, the volunteers how did that go pastoring the volunteers and and overseeing the the we call it now little rivers but it's (laughs) nursery yeah yeah yeah, uh, I absolutely loved it. I loved um, ministering to the volunteers that we had there, but I also loved watching them minister to the children, to the babies, because they are the new generation. Yeah. They are the next step in this church, and it's it was so... I loved it, watching them minister and seeing the little eyes light up when the lessons came up and when they interacted with the lessons and they were just so excited to learn about Jesus and that was awesome. And I love that our kids ministry doesn't just babysit our kids, but they're teaching about Jesus. And they're doing the little ones, even the littles, and in the elementary age, both. We're we're teaching about Jesus. I just love to do it. And here's the other thing I love. This is just a fun story. Like several years ago, she took the spiritual gifts test and then had a conversation with Pastor Amy. It led to... A, a kind of a leadership role, which is really this kind of like a, like a, a part-time kind of paid position in the church. This is kind of a fun story of how God kind of orchestrated all of that via Brittany finding her gift. It, it's going to be different for all of us. It's going to look different for all of us, but it's amazing how God can just open doors as we begin to discover, yeah. oh, this is how he created me. Yeah. And so if someone is out here, they maybe haven't taken that step to use their gift, and step into that, what would you say to them? What would your encouragement be to them? Do it. (laughs) I would honestly, I'll just step out in faith and do it because, I mean, God gave you the spiritual gift for a reason, and he's entrusting you with that spiritual gift and move in that. And I know it is scary and, like, you are afraid, but as long as you step out in faith and trust God in what he's given you, there's no reason to be afraid. Just do it. <laughs> That's great. Great encouragement. And I love when she was leading in that role. You're still serving in there now once a month, but she stepped down from leading because her and Ben had a son. And so that's super exciting and she needed to be a mom. Um, but still just loved watching you in that season. But still, even you're in there, you're helping, being a part of that. Just thank you for using your gifts. Thank you for being a blessing to our church community. You have made this place better because you stepped in and used. So we appreciate that. Thanks, Brittany. Can we give a hand to Brittany for that? 
It's just fun to hear a story uh, about someone stepping in and stepping out who maybe didn't expect that to happen. Now, but God wants to use you with the gifts he's given you. And the good news is it's fun because you love to do the things you love to do. Have you noticed that? That sounds kind of obvious, I guess, but you love to do what you're gifted to do. So I, I just love seeing people step into who they are. And we just want to be a church that releases you to be you and to use your gifts. And so we're talking about that a little bit more today. Jesus has some very important, you could even say strong words about using our gifts that I hope that we receive. And so I just want to preface what I'm about to say with this, because I want to, I want to be very honest, a little bit vulnerable if I can today, a little bit open, but my posture and my heart is really one of somebody who loves the church. Please know that. Before I say anything else here, I love the church. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could have life, so that we could be the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. I've given my life to serve the church, to equip and empower God's people, the church. In fact, I just realized that this month, I've been doing this now full-time vocationally, for 25 years, for most of my life, I've been doing this. I plan on doing this for the rest of my life. And uh, thank you. I don't say that for applause. I just say, like, I'm, commit I'm giving my life to this. And I pray that we all, as believers in Jesus, we would give our life to be a part of the church and making the church be the movement that Jesus wants it to be. That's my heart for us. And I'm committed. I'm all in for the church. I think that the American church has some things we need to maybe adjust and we need to shift. <laughs> but it's not all broken. It's not all bad. I love the church, guys. I love the church. I, I've, I've been messed up by the church. I've been hurt by the church. I've seen good, bad, and ugly like many of you have. At the end of the day, I still love the church, and I'm giving my life to this. And I say, let's do it together. So I preface all of that because I want to say some very important, clear, perhaps strong words about what I see in the church in America today. Keeping in mind that I love the church and not everything's bad, but there are some things we need to address. Yeah. I wrote some, I've been wrestling with this for years. I wrote some things down about a year ago, and I've never shared this publicly, but I want to share something I've been wrestling with for a while uh, that I believe can describe where people are at in their commitment level to church. I think we're at different levels. And so open your heart. I'm doing this in love, but open your heart. Where might I be in this? And so level number one, commitment level of American Christians. Uh, level number one, let's start at really level zero, is pre-Christian. There's people who don't believe in Jesus, so they could care less about the church, and that's okay. The truth is, we talked about this last week, we exist for those people. The church exists to show people the love and the life of Jesus and how they can find life in him. And so we exist to reach those people. They may not even realize they need Jesus, but when they find him and they give their life to him, they'll realize, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. This is what I was created for. Yes, because he created us to be in relationship with him. We exist for the pre-Christians. And I like that term pre-Christian because it's a statement of faith. Someday they'll be a Christian. Right now it's kind of their before giving their life to Jesus. So there's, let's acknowledge that. There's that. The people that don't care about church, but we exist to love them, to serve them, to help them, and to lead them to Jesus, right? And then the, the next level would be what I would call consumer-focused Christians. So there, let's be honest, guys. We live in a very consumeristic culture. 
And consumerism has creeped into our spiritual life in many ways, shapes, and forms, and sometimes we don't even realize it. Consumer Christians can look at Jesus and the church as that exists to help me. And so people will pray the sinner's prayer because I believe Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead for my sins. Jesus, forgive me and give my life to you. Now I know that I'm eternally saved. I'm not going to be in hell. I'm going to be in heaven. Sometimes people just do it for fire insurance. I give my life to Jesus so I don't, be, I don't go to hell. Um, and then they just kind of live however they want to live. And so it's basically about what Jesus does for me, and then I just kind of live life however I want because I'm a consumer. That's how I think. It's a mindset. And we got to be careful because this creeps into a lot of different areas in our life. Uh, this thinking seeks to be comfortable. That's the goal. I just want to be comfortable. Uh, I, I want to just fit in. I kind of want to do my thing. And um, I, I, I tend to just not use my gifts that God has given me. And sometimes these people will use their gifts, but they still live by personal preference. So they'll use their gifts when they have time or when they feel like it. Consumer. Okay, so the next level would be growth-focused. This can, this can be good. I hope all of you have a growth mindset, that you want to grow, you desire to grow for the rest of your life. I believe in that firmly. So these people would say, I genuinely love Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to serve him. I want to use my gifts. These people are serving, serving other people. They're growing. This is a good thing. But these people often miss out on sharing their faith and discipling other people and helping them grow in their faith. And that's a very key component to the calling that Jesus has given us that we're missing out on. And so it's good, but we're still missing out on really living life on this mission that Jesus has given us. So that's the growth focus. The next one I would call is kingdom focused. These people say, I'm seeking the kingdom first, just like Jesus taught us. Kingdom first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then I know God's going to take care of me. He's going to bless me. So they're kingdom focused. God, I want to live according to your agenda and your will for my life. These people want to use their gifts and they are using their gifts and they're growing and they're actually discipling other people. They realize this is a part of life in the kingdom. I help other people grow in their relationship with Jesus. So they're sharing their faith and they're discipling other people. But then the next level is a level I believe Jesus has called us to. I would call this a kingdom multiplier. You have gifts. And God has called you not just to use your gifts, but to multiply your gifts. You are called the disciple people, but I pray that we would have this mindset of, I'm not just going to help one person grow and disciple in their faith. I want to teach them to be a disciple maker so they can make disciples, so they can make disciples. I'm looking for generations. I want to see a movement through my life of following Jesus. I pray that there be a multiplied amount of followers of Jesus because of how I live my life. I believe this is the level that Jesus calls us to live in. And so what level are you at right now? And please know. There's grace for all of us, wherever we're at, because we're all on a journey. And so I'm, I'm just speaking to you words as your pastor. Some pastors may not say things like this. This, this is something easy to preach in another church. If I was in another church, I'd, I'd go for it right now. If I was speaking at a conference or a leadership, I'd go for it right now. This, these are some, sometimes it's scary to say these things, but uh, please know I love you. I love this church. Uh, so does God. God loves you right where you're at. Yes. Amen. 
God's grace is for you right where you're at, but he wants you to grow. He wants you to move forward. And I, I pray that your commitment level would deepen, would grow, that your mindset would continue to shift all the way to becoming a kingdom multiplier, that everything God gives you multiplies, that people around you are following Jesus and disciples are multiplying. I believe this is what Jesus has called us to do and how he's called us to live. So think about this. Amy and I, we have two kids. What if our two kids only lived life in their bedroom? They stayed in the room all day, every day. They did whatever they wanted, and which sounds like a teenage dream, right? Like that's <laughs> what teenager doesn't want that. Like I can my room and do whatever I want all day. Yeah, heck, heck yeah. So then me and Amy, we would go and we would serve them. Hey, anything you need? Here, can we bring you some food? Can we clean your room for us? Clean your room for you. Um, we're going to educate you now. What, what else would you like us to do for you? Like, think if our family functioned like that. Would you call that a healthy family? Because they're not doing their part. Two people are not fulfilling their role in making our family healthy and strong and vibrant. But could that be describing too many believers in the church? Where people show up and they come to be served. They come to be fed, but then they go and they do their own thing. We just expect other people to do ministry, other people to use their gifts. And they're blessed from other people, but they aren't a blessing to other people. And this is where the consumeristic mindset can creep into the church. we got to be careful, friends, because God has given you a gift to use. And when you use your gift, you make the church stronger, healthier. We grow in maturity like we talked about last week, and we, it helps us be the movement that Jesus has called us to be. When you don't use your gift, we miss out because we need you. We need all of you, just like a, whole, a family needs everybody doing their part, doing their role. Um, we need all of us as the family of God using the gifts that Jesus has given us. So let's look at this parable, Matthew 25. And this is important words for us in how we should approach using our gifts. And what you'll see is I believe that Jesus has called us to think multiplication, to be kingdom multipliers. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just read maybe just the middle section here. But remember, the master gave three different people, three servants, three different numbers of gifts. One got five, one got two, one got one. And so then the master returned, and this is how the interaction went. Verse 19, Matthew 25, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you have uh, entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Which, by the way, those are words that I pray all of us hear in the end. When you stand before your creator, for your maker, the God who loves you, I pray that you hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. That's the goal right there. Well done, good and faithful servant. The master said to this one, he says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. 
harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And he goes on to have the conversation there. But let's talk about this here. If I were to ask you, how do you define faithfulness? What comes to mind there? How would you fill in that blank? Faithfulness is, you might say, uh, being consistent. It's being steady. It's being steadfast. Uh, You might say faithfulness is uh, being devoted, being true. Uh, It's being loyal. But in this parable here, we see how God views faithfulness. God looks at faithfulness as multiplying our talents. Now, what's our talent? Talent, technically, in Jesus' day, was money. But he's referring to it in this parable as really our gifts, times, resources, and abilities. All that he gives us, that's what he's referring to as a talent. Gifts, time, resources, and abilities. So, let's, let's modernize this parable here. Let's give these people names to help us kind of apply this to our life. So, the person with five talents, let's say this person's name happens to be John Mark. The person with, uh, by the way, he's trying to play the keys, but it's not going, is it? Is it? You ready? I can't hear it. There it is. Oh, there it is. Okay. There we go. Just maybe a little bit softer there. There we go. Okay, this is going to help us tell this story here. Ah, here we go. The person with two talents, let's say this person's name happens to be Shay. The person with one talent, this person's name is Griffin. Now, Random names. I don't, we don't know these people. I'm just pulling them out, right? Just to pick names. So John Mark comes. He's been given five talents. He, he has multiplied them to ten. And so the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, enter into the happiness. Let's celebrate. Shay comes along. She's been given two. She's like, I multiply them. I got four now. And the master's like, well done, good and faithful servant. And then Griffin comes along. Now think about it. All that John, Mark, and Shay did was multiply. That's all they did. They took what they were given and they multiplied it. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Griffin comes along. He has buried his gifts, time, resources, abilities. And so there's two problems with this approach, with this person, anyone who would bury what God has given them. One is they don't understand the character of the master. We don't know who God really is, how loving, how gracious, how uh, generous, and how empowering he is. And number two, second problem is that person was afraid. And sometimes that's what we do. We just bury it out of fear. Like, I'm scared. I'm not going to do anything with this. And so we bury it. But fear can keep us from operating in these gifts that God has given us. And Brittany even, she didn't mention, I don't think it in second service, but in the first service, she spoke directly to that. She said, she said that, don't be afraid. Use the gifts God has given you. I, I think it's so, it's what Jesus would say, don't be afraid. This person buried and did not use their gift out of fear. And so the response from the master, who is God in this parable, is you wicked and lazy servant. Sometimes we think about the teachings of Jesus as, aren't they all just nice and happy and joyous? 
And Jesus said some things pretty straight up. And just so you know, this is, this, this matters. He's basically saying, if you're going to follow me, go all in. Don't go halfway. Go all in and use, develop, and multiply everything that I have given you. And so Jesus says, you wicked and lazy servant. Notice he doesn't say outsider. No, this is someone who's inside, part of the kingdom. They believe, but they've buried their, their gifts, their talents, their abilities. Isn't that fascinating? And therefore, they didn't get to, to uh, celebrate and receive their reward because they buried what God gave them. You see, friends, in regards to our labor, God views those who multiply as faithful and good, but those who maintain as wicked and lazy. God has not called you to maintain what he's given you. God has not called you just to keep it steady eddy for the rest of your life, to have your comfortable job and family and life. And I, I show up to church most Sundays. No, no, he's not called you to maintain. I pray that you don't have a maintenance mindset. He has called you to multiply what he has given you. To God, faithfulness equals multiplication. And that's everything that he gives you. In the beginning of scripture, God said, be fruitful and multiply. I don't think that just means make babies. I think it means be fruitful and multiply everything that God entrusts you with, everything that he gives you. And so my question for you is, what are you doing right now to multiply and to grow your gifts? It's very important for us to wrestle with and think about. Because you and I are called, you look at this parable, how are we called to respond in this? If the goal is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant in the end, we got to multiply what God has given us multiplication. I believe God has called you to be a kingdom multiplier, that you multiply everything that he gives you and that there are lots of people going to heaven because of how you lived your life. If we all live like this, guys, that, that means the church can be a movement. We can be the movement that Jesus wants us to be, but it takes all of us doing our part. And please let me just share this. Sometimes we read parables like this and teachings like this, and we think then it's all about how I perform, but I don't let performance-based uh, like mentality creep into your life. It's not about if you perform good enough according to Jesus' standards, then you can go to heaven. But no, you weren't good enough, so go down there. So sometimes performance can creep into our life. This is not about performance. This is about you and I in the grace of God, allowing the Spirit to use us, to work in us, you use those gifts he's given us, whatever he's given you. Just allow him to work in and through you to grow and develop and multiply those gifts. And just do your best with that. There is grace for you doing your best. You cannot earn your way into heaven. Jesus already paid the way for you to get to heaven. You can't earn your way into God's love. That has already been taken care of. But this is about you and I living out like we were created to do good works. That's what we're created for. So I'm saved. I'm in relationship with Jesus. I love him. I'm following him. And now I'm going to, out of that, just live the life that he's called me to live. But I do it by the power of the spirit alive and at work inside of me. Okay. So it's important that we look at that parable in that way, not a performance thing. And so this takes all of us using our gifts to be the church that God has called us to be. So as we approach the summer and we go into the summer, it can be an easy time for, for a lot of us to check out. And I want to encourage you just to stay engaged. Use your gifts. Look for new ways to use your gifts and to share your faith. This is going to be a summer of us sharing our faith, as you're going to hear about starting next week with our new summer series, 
sharing our faith. We want to equip you to share your faith. And it's going to be a fun summer. The truth is, Amy and I are going to miss the summer. And part, I, I'm, part of me is kind of bummed in what I'm going to miss out on because I believe God's going to do great things here. Because this church is not about me and Amy. It's about, it's about we, all of us, right? We got great people. But sometimes what happens is, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've said this or done this before. Well, the pastor's not preaching, so I'm not going to go to church today. You heard that before in years past? And I think that's an indicator of consumerism creeping into our spirituality. Oh, the person who is delivering the message isn't good enough by my standards. So I'm not going to get anything out of it. So I'm going to stay home. (laughs) So we got to be careful. This consumerism thing can really creep into our spirituality. But I pray that we would be people who don't think like consumers, but we would think like contributors. And so what happens is when people say that, like the pastor's not going to preach, like you're not going to hear me all summer long. And so people are like, sweet, I'm out this summer. This is great. I'm going to take the whole summer off. I pray that you stay engaged and use your gifts. But that's an indicator of a couple of things. Number one, I think it reveals why people choose a church. They choose a church based on the pastor. And to some extent, I do get that. I understand that. But I'm going to let you wrestle with, is that really biblical or not? The other thing that it it reveals is that when I show up for church, it's primarily for me. And if I don't dub this as going to be good enough for me, I won't go. (laughs) Okay, so hear my heart in this. Because consumerism can creep into when we show up and if we feel like we should show up or not. And I pray that we have a different mindset. That we pray, sometimes you may not feel like coming. But I pray that our mindset would be like, I'm going to show up because someone else might need me to be there and I can encourage them. I can bless them. I got gifts. I'm going to use my gifts that day. I don't care who's preaching. I'm going to get something out of whoever's preaching. I'm going to receive. I think we can learn from anybody, friends. Uh, Sometimes maybe you just need to be there to encourage the preacher and encourage them. We got some young bucks that are going to preach this summer. Come on, encourage them. Let's be the church. Let's encourage each other. Let's use our gifts and let's do this together and, and have fun with it. But maybe I need to show up for church, not for myself, but for somebody else. I love that mindset. There's a famous quote by JFK. You've probably heard it before. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I love switching that to the church. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Come on, let's live like that, right? Let's have that mindset where this is us being the church living this thing out, using our gifts, encouraging one another. And I believe God has great things for us this summer and in the future and in the coming days and the coming months. But it's important that we get together. We do this together. We got to be the gathered church and then we're the scattered church on mission. But we gather together as the church. Online church can be a great option, especially in the summer. If you're out on vacation and you want to join us online, that can be great. There's people that are joining us online that can't be here physically. And I love this option. They can join us and be with us because they cannot make it for whatever reason. But if you're a believer and you're committed to following Jesus and you're committed to being a part of this local church especially, I believe that online church is not true church. We need to be together. We need to gather together because that's the biblical way for us to live this thing out. We need each other. There's strength in unity and there's strength in diversity. And we talked about that last week. 
Online church can be a great option, especially for those that are just checking out church or that are checking out Jesus. I love it for that. But let's be the gathered church who gather together as people. So, this is me just sharing my heart, guys. I'm being a little bit bold and sharing some things that I've never shared before because I just want us to be a healthy, strong, biblical church that sees the Spirit of God move in and through our lives. Um, I'm not interested in just having great meetings on a Sunday. In fact, the whole focus of that style of church is what creates pastoral burnout, if we're honest. It's the whole reason, part of the reason that Amy and I need a break. And what I love about us right now, I just see this happen all over, is that we've got people, you, leaders, people are just stepping up all over the place. And it's like, let's do this together. It's not about paying the professionals to do ministry. And we come and receive, but this is us living this together. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of, where you use your gifts. And you don't just use them, you grow in them and you multiply them. Oh, come on, I want to see that more and more. So you may not hear me preach much or at all this summer, but that's okay, because it's about us, right? And the irony is, for the last several years, I've taken at least six weeks off every summer. I don't know if, you, if you've been around, you may not have realized that. <laughs> so it'll be, right, just, it might just feel a little bit longer this summer than normal. But God's on the move in this church, and it's about Jesus. It's about him using you and I all together. And so I'm gonna end by doing some prayers over you that God will ignite and fan into flame those gifts he's given to you. And some of you maybe need to receive that gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, like happened when the church was birthed. Maybe today you need to receive that as well. Once you stand to your feet, two scriptures I'm gonna pray over you. Second Peter chapter one, verse six uh, Paul is writing this to his disciple, the guy he's mentored, the guy he's put in charge of the church in Ephesus. And he says this, he says, hey, Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. And I pray that you and I would do that today. Well, today, this week, let's fan into flame the, the, the gifts that God has given us, which he goes on to say, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I won't be able to lay hands on all of you, but we got prayer team that will be up here during the song. If you want them to lay hands on you and pray this over you, feel free. Come on down. Let them lay hands on you. I believe that's a scriptural thing. Uh, the, la- the second verse is this. We already read it. Acts 1.8. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses to the whole world. And maybe you've never received the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we believe that the moment you say yes to Jesus and give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. It's a very biblical thing. You have the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? And have you received the empowerment of this gift that Jesus talked about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that in Acts, biblically seems to be separate from your moment of conversion of giving your life to Jesus? It's a very important thing, so much so that the early church went all over and they said, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Oh yeah, we've been baptized. No, 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 like we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, we were just baptized in water. Okay, well, let's pray for this now too. Awesome. So I want to pray that over you. If you want the gifts to be stirred with inside of you, if you want to be a kingdom multiplier, or you just want to receive the Holy Spirit and all his fullness right now, just lift your hands out to him right now. Just stretch your hands out. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, you see our hands, Lord. More importantly, you see our hearts. And I'm asking right now 
that you would fan into flame those gifts that every single person has here, Lord, that you would stir up, stir up a faith, a desire to, to walk in those gifts, to grow in those gifts. Lord, I'm praying this for every person listening right now. Ignite those gifts Stir them a fan into flame, Lord. I pray that they would not bury their gifts. They would not let their gifts die. Lord, that they would use, they would bless people, they would serve other people, that they would find joy in using, developing, and multiply their gifts. I pray, Lord, there would be a multiplication that would take place in the years to come as they grow and develop their gifts. Holy Spirit, would you empower them and help them to do that? I pray right now in Jesus' name. For those that, that, that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray right now that you would baptize in fire as you have done throughout the ages, throughout the centuries since that first day of Pentecost. Right now, I pray that you would fill them fully and completely. In fact, why don't you just ask him right now, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, baptize me right now with your spirit. Fill me right now. I need to be empowered. I want to be consumed and full of you. Just, just ask him right now to fill you once again. Jesus, you hear our prayers. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We want to be an empowered church, a spirit-empowered church, God. We don't want to go through the motions, Lord. We can't do this on our own strength. This is about you being alive and at work in us and through us. So right now, Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray. Hmm. Hmm. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, move. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.